Welcome to the Um Yeah Sports Podcast with John and Chris, where it's unapologetically just about the sports. We're glad you joined us. Let's jump right in. It is the December 9th episode of the Um Yeah Sports Podcast. It is your Friday evening edition for the week. Appreciate you joining us. I'm Chris, and with me, as always, is John. Hey, listeners, do uh, make sure you subscribe to the podcast if you haven't done so already. Also, appreciate any sharing that you could do with friends and family. Maybe they love sports as much as you do. Maybe they're a fan of a team like you are, and they would want to hear what we have to say. Maybe contribute to the dialogue over there on Twitter at Um Sports. We'd love to hear from you or from them. So please do share the podcast. Make sure you subscribe to it. Hit us up on Twitter at Um Sports. And uh, we also have www.umyasports.com as a place you can go to get your latest news, sports, and information. Hey, John, how are you, man? Doing well. How are you? I am not so bad. Not so bad indeed. We've got an all-football edition of the show again, all-NFL edition. Maybe we should just make the podcast about the NFL. Uh, not sure. <laughs> but uh, but today it's all, all football, if that's cool. Yep. All right. So uh, over there on the Twitter, um, there was a bit of a conversation going on related to Russell Wilson, uh, which was uh, which I think was spawned by a article posted by uh, a large corporate uh, sports site. Um, And uh, the, the whole the whole conversation or argument is just around Russell Wilson. Is he good? Is he bad? You know, what's going on with that guy? Uh, seems to be that the broad consensus, uh, or at least the broad opinion of folks, is, "Hey, Russ is—he's uh, done, man. He's like cooked, and you know, it's not—it's not, not going to work out for him in the future." Uh, other people, uh, some minority opinions, saying, "No, actually, wait a second. Russ is not so bad. He'll be okay. The Denver Broncos are no good." And uh, one John McConey falls into that second camp, right? Yeah. All right, and that—and and you got into some. Back and forth over there on the uh, on the Twitter. So, talk to me. What uh, what what's the deal here? What's going on with Russ? Is he good? Is he bad? What does his future hold? And should people stop criticizing him at this point? Yeah, I I, I think at this point it's a little much. I think a lot of people um, did a similar thing to Tom Brady in his last year in New England, right before he transferred to Tampa and had his big season. A lot of people were yep. assuming he fell off, or whatever. Tom Brady went to a team that built around him. Russell Wilson went to a team that literally lost all the pieces when he went over. So now they're in a situation where they're, they're trying to build around it. But I mean, you can, you can point fingers at Russell Wilson. You can say he's the main problem. You can say that he's been falling off the last few years, but all that's in common is he didn't have an offensive line, very little weapons on the, uh, in the running back and wide receiver room and a not an, an okay defense for most of his career. Uh, and then he goes to Denver and he has the exact same situation. Uh, and and most people, like I said, most mainstream people say that it's Russell Wilson's fault. But there's a lot of pieces going on and, and a lot of things floating around. But if they invest correctly in, in, in free agency and they invest correctly in the draft uh, with the draft choices that they have and they build around Russell Wilson and they use his strengths um, to their benefit and do the things that are necessary, Russell Wilson can flower in um in Denver, like he did in Seattle, that's not really a question. The question is, will they do what's necessary to get him to that point? The running back core is fine. When Jameson Williams comes back, um, they'll be able to get in a, in, a, in a good situation. But 
uh, with the wide receiver room, they need to build uh, around guys that don't just have speed or don't just have strength, but have the ability to catch the ball, get open, and do a few extra things that they've not done at all this season uh, and give him an offensive line. If they can do those two things, I think Russell Wilson could turn things around. Even if they give him a reasonable offensive line, I believe he could turn things around and get things going in the right direction. Um, and on Twitter, um, I've had people say that, you know, that it wasn't just Russ. It's what's going on around him. And other people say Russell Wilson's fall off, fallen off and isn't really in, in any sort of right direction. Um, like I said, I fall into the second camp. But I think next season, um, I think it's going to be a different season for Russ. I think he, if they do it correctly, can really have a lot of success in this offense. I think this offense and this coaching staff just needs to have working and get things going in the right direction. Um, but I think the critiquing of this organization that the media has done is kind of unwarranted. Um, Russell Wilson statistically has had a, a, the same or better career and postseason play than Aaron Rodgers has himself, and yet Aaron Rodgers can do no wrong uh, as compared to Russell Wilson uh, in his overall play. But I think if you give you know if you give time to what's happening and you let Russell Wilson, who's come into a new organization, a new game plan, a new system after many years in Seattle, obviously there's going to be a learning curve. Obviously it's going to take time to build chemistry, and injuries haven't helped that become a thing. Um, and neither has his offensive line. So, you know, the offensive line's promise that they'll keep Russell Wilson clean uh, in, in Denver <laughs> didn't really hold true. But there is an opportunity for them to, to you know, not this season crawl, crawl back, but, you know, win a few games, build a little morale and stuff like that. But it's not going to help Russell Wilson win games. It's not going to help this team win games. And it's not going to help the chemistry in the locker room when you, all you do is just blast Russell Wilson and when all his teammates and coaches are also pointing in the opposite direction. But, it's just a fascinating situation of how many people switch on a dime as far as on players very quickly um, and don't stick around on players. But, you know, next season, if Russell Wilson has the biggest season of his career, yep. then Russell Wilson be the best player who of ever course. existed. So. What have you done for me lately? Okay, so could the Lions win against the Vikings? Then this is a big NFC North matchup. The Vikings are 9-2. and two. Yeah, in the lead. For the NFC North, mm-hmm. where are the where are the where are the Lions at? Bottom to middle, they're five and seven. Five and seven. Okay, so any chance that the the Lions can crawl their way back up, and are they pretty much done? They actually are favorites to win this game right now. Okay, so uh, how's that? What's going on? The Vikings what? last week, uh, Kirk Cousins I think was twenty one for like fifty one on passing, something like that. <laughs> really. Uh, he was pressured, and when he was pressured, he legitimately did not know what to do with the football, and it just was going all over the yard and just going sailing over huh. uh, wide receivers' heads. It was okay. awful. Um, I believe they can stop Dalvin Cook. I believe that the Lions have a really good run-stopping defense. We saw that with Saquon Barkley. We saw a little bit against Singletary when they played those two teams respectively, uh, and they shut him down. With Dalvin Cook, Dalvin Cook's had a little bit of a mixed bag of a year. He has success. Sometimes it's a little bit off and on. If you're a fantasy owner, you know what I'm talking about. But with those lines, the way they're able to shut down running backs, I believe they'll have no problem shutting down Dalvin Cook. I also believe they'll have no problem getting to Kirk Cousins. This defensive line that they've invested in and drafted and got um, basically by a misdraft by the Jaguars by not taking Hutchinson number one and letting him slide to number two with the lines were able to grab him was a big mistake because he's proven to be one of the best um, uh, in the top five or whatever in the defensive ca- uh, category. But I think, you know, if you look at what they have defensively, they can definitely dominate this Vikings because they did it against the Bills, and Bills are considered one of the best offenses 
and has one of the best quarterbacks, but they made Josh Allen uncomfortable, got him to force him to punt. They did that against Daniel Jones. They dominated him, got interceptions, even though Daniel Jones at that point had basically no interceptions. They got multiple in that game. So they have the pieces that can definitely dominate. Uh, and after that performance that um, that um, the Vikings put up where Justin Jefferson was literally the only guy doing anything for the team at the beginning of the game and was getting hit a ton because Kirk Cousins was just – uh, flinging the ball at him and hoping that he would be able to catch it. And he was getting blasted because he wasn't being careful with his guys. But if they can get to him and they can give pressure, apparently Kirk Cousins isn't great under those conditions and can struggle because it's not like a situation where that's just a bad game. And yeah, it was a bad game. These aren't all the time. But when you're pressured, he gets flustered a little bit. Now the coaches staff can work on that, try to get that out of the system a little bit. But when you become one-dimensional, like I believe the Lions can do to this team, how will Kirk Cousins respond to that? How will that work? Um, I mean, last in that game, Adam Thielen had like two catches the entire game, and all those came at the end of the game. Uh, Judge Jefferson, like I said, was the only guy that did pretty much anything. So this team can be squash a little bit if you're if you do it correctly and you play the right pieces but then offensively Jared Goff had a tremendous game last week uh Swift I think is out but um they still have Williams who's been you know their goal line back who I think has the most touchdowns uh or second most touchdowns by a line uh, at this point uh so he's been playing really good and then um St. Brown Chark and then also um the the rookie uh Jameson Williams I think uh, when they all get the, all those guys back, and they get the and the rookie's gonna be playing a little bit this week, and you know he had a didn't have a great performance last week. He had like one target, but apparently his role is gonna increase. So they'll get a bunch of good wide receivers that can dominate, and you put them all together. Uh, and with St. Brown's success of being the number one targeted guy by Jared Goff, you can kind of see that this game could get out of hand pretty quick. Because they struggled against the Lions, the Vikings did, and almost lost that game. But Josh Allen made a few key mistakes, um, which I think are going to be w- way more common. Um, the Jets could have won that game, but White threw a bunch of interceptions or had some miscues or some issues with the football. I believe the Lions are the team that could be able to make this a really good game. Uh, and I don't think the Vikings are going to be able to walk all over them like they have been. Because um, like I said, if you get pressure on on um, Kirk Cousins, he starts to struggle and he starts to slip a little bit there. But you have to be sticky with Justin Jefferson. you got to keep him down because he is one of those players that if he gets hot, it's very hard to stop this team. He was basically the guy that single-handedly turned around the Bills game for this Vikings team. So I wouldn't be surprised if you know that if that's you know continues and if they if they can't stop him, this could be a long night for him. But if they can and they can shut down Cook uh, and get a little bit of pressure on their quarterback, things can then start to collapse for this team. So I think they've got a good chance of of winning this game. I think okay. the defense that they put together can definitely be destructive. All right. So Baker Mayfield strapped on a game jersey before he strapped on a practice jersey mm-hmm. um he's taken a lot of flack here on the podcast i'll know that we've been big baker mayfield fans uh, but certainly uh if you like the rams and which uh <laughs> which you do uh and you see something like happened last night where with a minute 40 left he drives the ball 98 yards down the field uh for a touchdown to win the game with like no time left on the clock it was pretty spectacular uh series there um what do we think of baker mayfield in in la or basically baker mayfield overall right because next year is going to be the you know like that that was one one series right great you know good job uh but that does not yet make him a franchise quarterback right it just makes him a good ad in a moment of desperation right yeah i think 
that draft had just as much to do with the coaching staff as it did to do with Baker Mayfield. Um, because throughout the game, I mean, throughout the game, he had some success, but some struggles as well. Two things happened to get that drive to happen. A, the second half rolled around, and B, the defense became so much better in that second half. In the first half, they did not control the edge at all. The Raiders were just running all over them on the edge. Uh, Devontae Adams was just smoking Jalen Ramsey. Uh, it was just, and Josh Jacobs was running wild. Like nothing really worked except a few plays where, you know, they got the pass rush in there. They made some stops. They did some things that would be productive and they made a couple of good plays. But overall, that first half was not good. And with Baker Mayfield in that first half, when he did the short little passes, the 20 yard passes, the 15 yard passes, uh, those little, little or shorter passes, he had success. He had those little, he had speedy wide receivers. He had Van Jefferson. He had the guys that were making the catches and making the plays that worked when he tried the deep stuff or he tried the longer passes. He overthrew his guy by like 15 yards. It wasn't, you know, on the, on a, you know, frozen rope or it wasn't thrown correctly. And the, and the wide receiver had to do all he could to try to get the penalty on it. Um, or, you know, with the running game, they had a couple of good plays, but then there's that fumble that prohibited them from scoring the touchdown, getting the field goal, uh, or some really sloppy fouls, such as the one that they had where they're in field goal range to go up, um, to have six points when the Raiders had 13, got an unsportsmanlike foul and, you know, knocked him out of field goal range. So little things like that happened throughout the, throughout the game, but most in the first half, bad throws, overthrown, bad play calls, not throwing the little, the shallow underneath stuff. And the defense did not play at the level that you would expect them to. And then the second half rolls around, and Bobby Wagner just becomes a force. He knocks um, Derek Carr out, in the, out of bounds to prevent him from getting to the edge or got Josh Jacobs in the backfield, just had tons of penetration, tons of ability, making lots of stops, making sure that things that were working in the first half would not happen again in the second half. And I think that had a lot to do with the uh, halftime um, adjustments, halftime things that they did to have success because once that happened – then the offense came on the field, and the play calls changed. Suddenly, they weren't trying to throw the 60-yard go route. They were throwing the 20-yard underneath or the 40-yard you know, medium cross or whatever they whatever they worked for them. And they started having success, and they started moving the ball down the field. And then they got to the touchdown. They got into the red zone because these short little passes that had hurry up, hurry up, hurry up were working for them. They were getting things done. The offensive line did a better job of, you know, controlling the defense. And Baker Mayfield seemed like he made fewer mistakes because he didn't have to read as much. Because in the first half, they had him do some play action stuff. And he was just missing with the running back, wasn't getting on the same page. That all fixed. So I think it was a lot to do with the defense and how they play of being able to shut things down. You know, the coaching staff making the correct adjustments, calling the correct plays. That then set up that game-winning drive because... That's that second half. Baker made look so comfortable. He wasn't missing completions. He was seeing the field well. He wasn't hurrying. He wasn't rushed. He just made the correct plays. And in that first half, you could see just was kind of slinging them. He wasn't really thinking through anything. He was just kind of throwing it, throwing it, throwing it, hoping it completed. And he was just trying to get things going. And I think that was just because he didn't have a whole lot of time to practice with this team. He just got there. Um, and then if you look at what happened at that last drive with that minute or so, they had a great defensive play to stop them. And then Baker made the correct plays. And then there were some questionable calls. It seemed like I didn't see exactly what the penalty was, but, um, and then that allowed him to open things up. And then the, the, the wide receivers make some really good plays, which we saw in the first half, but they made plays that were catches and, and Baker Mayfield just put it up there. So I think that's what set up the game winning drive. But I think the strongest point, uh, for Baker Mayfield, the thing that he did so well, the thing that is great about Baker Mayfield, 
And it's the thing that Denver failed to understand when they made the trade for Russell Wilson. And the reason that Russell Wilson is struggling and all their critique is happening to him is if you are an NFL franchise, it's way better to get a game manager and not give away everything than give away everything and get a great quarterback. Um, because with Denver, they gave away a bunch of draft choices. They gave away Noah Fant. They gave away defensive players. They gave away a lot of their future for Russell Wilson, and then they paid him a ton of money, which is going to probably prohibit them from signing anyone in the future. So that's and then if you look at you know Tampa in the past, Tom Brady said I'll turn down less money to get more guys. With the Rams, they said to themselves, okay, Matthew Stafford's gone, Aaron Donald's gone, Allen Robinson's gone, everyone that we have is gone, and we cannot rely on these guys that we have right now because. They either struggling through injuries, play a little beginning. They're not playing well enough. We're not winning the games. We're getting things close. We need that spark. We need that extra bit. We see Baker Mayfield sitting there for just over a million, a little under a million and a half dollars. And if we want, if we cut him at the end, you know, we'll get a compensation pick. So we know that Baker Mayfield can be really good. We know that he has a lot of upside. We know he has some speed. He knows he has an arm. We know he can work in our offense if we give him the correct play calls. And they learned who they have. They know that Baker Mayfield has these strengths, these strengths, and these strengths. And that's why they called for most of the first half. You know, there's some deep ones in there, but for the most part, they had the shallow stuff. I think they tried to do a little too much for where he's at, but that gives you a little taste of what's to come. But when in the second half, the reason he was so good, A, play calls, but B, he was a game manager. He knew what he was doing. He slowed things down a little bit. He speed things up when he needed to. He made the complete uh, correct play. He threw the ball exactly where it needed to be. He wasn't being, you know, careless with the football uh, he was making sure he threw it to his guy where only his guy can catch it and doing exactly what he needed to do. So his one really good strength is, and this is that's the reason why he was make, able to make that great turnaround time, he's a game manager. He's the type of guy that you put in an offense that's decent with a decent offensive line. Yeah, they're injured. Yeah, they're banged up. But they've got players to make plays. And you put them in there. You give them time in the pocket. You allow him to get the ball out of his hands. You give him the correct play call, and he'll do it. He'll run a mile with it. So I think that's one of the things with this Rams team that they did so well last night. And the reason that they ended up winning the game was that for that reason. Uh, I think that's just a lot of a testament to how good this coaching staff is for this Rams and that this age that we're living in for this Rams um, with this with the Aaron Donald, the Cooper Cup, the Matthew Stafford, the uh, Sean McVay era of this team is so good. And while they can repeat if when if and when they're healthy, um, and I think if they're smart, they keep Baker Mayfield because. Matthew Stafford is really good, but he sometimes struggles with interceptions. And so if you need a spark, you need a little something extra, maybe you could put Baker Mayfield in a player to get Matthew Stafford calmed down a little bit and then put him back in the game. It opens up a lot of different things. And Baker Mayfield, you know, you're going to have to pay him, but you could pay him backup money because I don't know if he, you know, starts, especially with Tom Brady possibly joining the fray. I don't know if you if you saw that where he mentioned he was doing that press conference and he, and he talked about, you know, going home um, as far as playing for – this home crowd whether that means san francisco or that means the patriots i saw something where he said that like basically to me when i saw it it like closed the door on a san francisco thing really yeah he's like he grew up as like a fan you know big time and then they rejected him in the draft and he hates he's he spent the rest of his time hating them he said he said going home yeah but the very end he said he can't wait to play for this home crowd he can't wait to play for his home team and he talked about his parents, and his parents, I believe, okay. they live well, in New England or they live in San Francisco? They live in, I thought they live in New England now. Okay. So it's something about going home somewhere. Hmm. And home ain't Tampa. So, you know, is there a possibility he goes back to one of those two teams? That's kind of opened the door on that because I watched yeah. it because I was curious what he was saying. But yeah, that sounds a little bit of a rabbit trail. But that's what I think about Baker Mayfield. I think he's doing yep. a great job. Okay. All right. There you go.
Uh, we're heading into the weekend here. What do we got going on? College football is pretty much over. There's the Army-Navy Except for the game. playoffs and all that. Yeah, that's right. Army-Navy weekend. Okay. And then in, in, in the NFL, like I said, you got the Lions and the Vikings, obviously. Oh, the, the Vikings are 10-2. I forgot because they okay. won that game. Yeah. Uh, San Francisco versus Tampa. That's a good game to see where Tampa's at. Maybe that's at. what he's talking about going home to play Maybe. in front of them. That's right? possible as well. Yeah, that that's probably what it is. Because he was probably talking about this weekend's game and going back to... Yeah, because it was just a snippet that I saw. Yeah, that's probably what that was. Um, but that's a good test because San Francisco has a really good defense. We'll see where yep. they're at yep. uh, as, a, as a team. Yep. Um, and then you got... The Bills and the Jets, I'm excited about that because the last time this te- these two teams met, the Bills took it uh, at the last second, and they really dominated Josh Allen and, and yep. made his life miserable. So that would be interesting as well. Um, and then the Dolphins, I just enjoy watching the Dolphins play. But um, that's those are the best games, I think, uh, of this weekend. Okay. All right. Well, listeners, uh, we promise there'll be some NBA. There'll be some basketball coming up here soon, uh, just in the meat of the NFL season. And it's hard to not talk about that, uh, given that we keep our shows pretty short. So, uh, listeners, we appreciate you. Enjoy your weekend and weekend sports. And uh, we'll catch you uh, on the flip side over there on Monday. See you. See you. God bless.